Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. It's been nearly five months since the deadly shooting at Central Visual and Performing Arts High School, where a gunman killed teacher Jean Kuchka and 15-year-old Alexandria Bell and injured seven others. And students from CVPA High School are now ready to speak out, to talk about their experience and to advocate for gun control measures they think would prevent future tragedies from taking place. Two weeks ago, several dozen students traveled to Jefferson City and spoke before the Missouri legislature to advocate for such laws. And I had the opportunity this week to sit down with two of those students to discuss their experience and to learn how they are healing in the wake of the shooting. I met with 16-year-old sophomore April Shepard and 17-year-old senior Brianna Love at their high school on Tuesday. I started the conversation by asking them how they felt about the school community before the shooting. I loved it, especially because this year was going so much better for me uh, compared to last year, my freshman year. So I didn't, it just felt normal and like I was happy to be here. For me, Central has always been like a second home. Um, I've gone through some pretty... um, like turbulent um, home life stuff, uh, and Central was always there as like as like it was stable. Like it was a rock I could lean on. I knew that no matter what, I had friends and and teachers um, and counselors and everything else that could help me and and guide me whenever I didn't have that at home. If you're comfortable doing so, um, April, can you tell me um, what your experience was the day of the shooting at the school? Um, you really don't fear death until it comes knocking at your door. And as like the shots had got closer, I got scared. I was just shocked. And I don't remember much from that day about how I felt. But I just remember that after the police came in our room and like escorted us out in a uh, quick pace, I cried on the way out. And I did not want any uh, any mishap to happen. So my friends are like putting their hands down. I said no. I kept yelling at them to keep their hands up, just in case. I didn't I didn't want anything to happen to anybody. For so, do you mean that you did not want the authorities to mistake any of your friends for the assailant? Yes, that was like a big fear because um, with that like a year or two prior with was with the Black Lives Matter movement and like police brutality, I was scared. I didn't want to be mistaken as like a perpetrator and I didn't want my friends to be. That's why I'm yelling at them to put their hands up. They're looking at me like I'm crazy, which I probably was looking crazy in that in that moment. But it was just like a I don't want you to get hurt. Let's just make it out this building and like one in one piece. Well and the fact that it was an automatic response really says a lot about the world outside the school as well. Brianna, how about you? Where were you um, that day? And you know, have you spoken with many people about, um, about the experience 
of being in the school at that time? The day I remember it being overwhelmingly just normal. And I was in my third period class um, with Miss Shu. Love her. She was she was so awesome during that. I don't know what I would have done if she wasn't there. But it was we were working on an assignment. We were like a few minutes into the class, and we heard the code word for um, an intruder being in the building over the intercom. And so we did what we were supposed to do. We turned off the lights. We got in the corner. You know, we tried to stay as quiet as possible. And something that's strange to me is that I still kind of look fondly back on like those five minutes before we realized that it was real. Um, Because, you know, we're a bunch of teenagers like hiding in a corner, trying not to laugh. And then I just recall hearing a bang that sounded like it was like right outside of our door and everybody just dropped. Um, I remember the girl next to me had her phone out. Um, and she was texting her mother. I could clearly not that I was trying to to snoop, but I could I could see what she was that she was texting her mother. And I remember looking for my phone, and I I couldn't find it because um, I always keep my phone in my bag during class, so it's not a distraction. And my bag was all the way near the door. We were in a far corner of the room, as far away from the door as we could get. And I just remember thinking that I would not be able to tell my mother I loved her before I died. It was, I don't ever cry. I'm I'm a tough nut to crack. Um, But I sobbed like a baby. Like, it was, it was bad. (laughs) And is that how most of your peers were also responding in the moment? Yeah, I remember, I mean seeing a side of people that, you know, you only really see in in the most, like, extenuating sort of situations. Like, we were all, um, in my my case, we were literally all, like, basically, I mean, because we've been with each other for four years, and even people that are just acquaintances and, and not really friends were, you know, hugging each other and, you know, like, trying to comfort each other and, and just crying all over one another, not knowing, you know, when the police were going to come or, or if the shooter was going to knock on our door or, or what was going to happen. Speaking of, like, knocking on our door, um, when after they had called, like, the drill for it, our door uh, um, was rattled. And that's what they normally do in the drill. So that's why we didn't take it seriously until we heard the first few shots. And just like Brianna Pierce and I, too, and my friends, we were um, texting our family members, oh, it's a school shooting. If anything happened, I love you. My friend um, was, like, holding her mouth because she was um, trying not to cry. And we're all just right there. We're just like, comforting her and stuff like that we have our ups and downs here but when it comes to it I feel like our school we will always be there for each other no matter how many like problems we might have with each other personally at the end of the day when like Brianna said it was like a like a second home it is a second home here and I really I didn't realize that until of that moment how did it then feel to be away from school after the shooting occurred, um, were you among some of the students who came back that first day they opened the campus up? I recall being outside of school initially. Um, I mean, it was it was very, very 
justified and needed, I think, for, for most people. Um, and I just, during those first few weeks, it was hard to kind of shake off a sense of shock. Like you, I mean, you knew what happened. You knew it wasn't like a dream, but it's also incredibly difficult to fathom. Um, not only that, that, you know, shots were fired in your school, but specifically that somebody walked into your school building um, with a, a, a weapon intended to kill as many people in as short a span uh, of time as possible, um, fully having the intent to hurt and kill as many people, um, primarily children, as he possibly could. It's not, I mean, it's something still I can't really claim to even begin to understand even when we have things like like his his journal or whatever he believed his motives were. Um, and I don't think there's any way we ever will be able to understand that. But I, after, after a few weeks, I definitely eventually felt, started feeling a bit of, like loneliness, a bit of, I need to see like my, my school family. I need to be around like the teachers I trust to be able to, to confide in them, to be able to see, you know, my friends that I only really get to see at school, things like that. And so we did have like events and stuff outside of school because I think for a lot of people, um, missing a sense of community and needing to stick together in that moment um, was definitely um, important. And so it, it's maybe a little bit surprising, but also if you look at it that way, it's not that a lot more people than I or I, th- I think a lot of people figured um, ended up showing back up to the school building, myself included. We do things big here. It's like a bigger go big or go home type thing. But when we got here, it was like this big red carpet. The news were here. A bunch of people was here to greet us. And and I love that for us, but it was overwhelming. And if I could go home that day, I would have. A lot of my friends just did not come for like until like February because they weren't ready. So when I had got back to the school, I it was just constant going to like the counselors and like whatever resources were here because it's just that I wasn't prepared as I thought I was like my family members if you had if you would ask them what I felt they'd be like oh well she said they said they were like she was like fine or stuff like that but I wasn't I just don't like people pitying me so I when they asked me how I was I'd be like oh I'm fine I couldn't sleep at night my friend um my friend Taylor she had to um come over my house and she was there for like a few days and that was like the only time I was able to sleep if somebody was with me I was more paranoid than what I what I already am. I'm a very paranoid person. But after the incident, I was just like on constant alert. I would say that a positive thing about like coming back was like all the art from the other schools. Like no joke, when I'm like upset, I just look at the art that is like a, from like a bunch of other schools and they're like telling us how like we're like strong and like how they support us. And it's just something comforting to look at. You, It's the little things that count. I certainly do not feel pity. I'm so impressed and incredulous that you all have been able to to get to this point, to, to talk with me. I, I want to say that. Um, I really appreciate what you are sharing. 
I, um, I want to say that I really appreciate you guys taking the time to hear us. Yes, thank you so much. And I know I, I'm probably not answering the questions right, but... There's no right or wrong. <laughs> looking back at this, it's just, it's hard to talk about when I just, like, not, decided not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So the decision to talk about it, that is a big deal, right? Why did you decide to spend some of this time with me and then also to go to Jefferson City and raise your voice among adults who are supposed to be taking care of you? I feel like there was a difference between me not wanting to talk for me and me talking for other people. Me not wanting to talk to like a therapist or anything like that, it was just because I didn't want to be pitied. But if I had the I had the opportunity to go have lawmakers hear my voice and hear how stupid and ridiculous this whole thing is, so I took it. I had the opportunity to like make a change after being silent. And if it wasn't for me, it was for it was for Miss Kushka. It was for Alex. It was very important for me from, I mean, the very um, second that kind of like shock wore off. I was like, I have to do something like not like it. I took a, a long time to think about ways that I could help. And I'm super, super grateful for um, the the voice that I have, um, that it was able to give me opportunities like writing a letter for Good Morning America or or being able to speak at Jefferson City, um, that I was able to put into, into words um, the feelings and thoughts and hopes of, of my peers and of people around the country. Um, I feel like it's super easy to feel overwhelmed um, with Republicans and oppressive legislation or, and I mean in this case, super permissive um, legislation. Um, It's really easy to feel like everything is against you, but I try to always remember that they are, I mean, whenever you call it backwards thinking, it's, it's very literal. They are stuck in the past and, and society keeps pushing forward and most people continue pushing forward with that. The majority of people are good people um, and don't want to see this continue happening and absolutely agree with whatever measures that need to be taken to prevent this from happening. Um, even if they aren't like super, super progressive and aren't going to be at the protests and rallies, they don't want to see more people get hurt. And so it helps me to remember that and it helps me to, to know that in some way I can, I can speak for those people or, or appeal to those people and, and show, show these lawmakers our faces and let them see the people who are really affected by it. We'll hear more reflections from April and Brianna in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio.
Welcome back. I'm Elaine Chow. Let's dive back into the conversation. Here's Brianna describing the specific proposals they want lawmakers to take action on. Um, well, first and foremost, um, specifically banning assault weapons, um, weapons that were never meant to be in the hands of civilians, um, that were specifically designed to kill as many people um, as efficiently as possible. It should just never be something that civilians should be allowed to have their hands on, regardless of if they're a collector, regardless of their age, regardless of their mental health status. Another thing is uh, red flag laws, like we said. Um, that was one of the main things we were campaigning for going to Jeff City, um, is allowing authorities to be able to remove guns from the possession of people that they know to be um, a danger to themselves and to others. Uh, another thing uh, that we were also advocating for was the age at which you can purchase a firearm uh, is far too young. You can you can get a firearm before your brain is even fully finished developing, which is frankly ridiculous. I feel like this is like really funny, but when I went to the Capitol, I didn't do any research because I felt like I didn't have to be no AOC with like the politics <laughs> to tell you guys that there was an issue. So. When uh, they had told me what we were, like, protesting against, it's not that they told me. Ms. Foster even said, I'm not going to tell you what you can, what you are fighting for there. But this is what I have in mind. And so with the red flag laws, that was, like, a big one. And, like, the age requirement of getting a firearm. Because let's be honest, you should not be, like, 18 with, like, a gun. Like, let's be real. And... The red flag law is like a big one that I'm really, really, really hooked on, especially as someone with a mental illness. Like, I just don't see, I don't think that I should be allowed to have a gun. I don't think that somebody who has like similar symptoms like as with me should be allowed to have one. If you are a potential threat to yourself, you're going to be a potential threat to others. So you just don't, don't try it. And then this is not me saying, oh, take away all guns. Like, let's just like not have guns anymore no i mean obviously people need guns for like certain stuff i'm um, certain stuff i don't know but you do you i'm saying let's just make it harder for you to like to get one like let's make it you know a little harder because you shouldn't be able to just walk into a shop and be like hey here's my name here's like sis let me get a gun i don't know how gun purchasing is so. <laughs> but that's what i imagine it's like I feel like mental health is one of the things that many people who are um, in opposition to having like any sort of tightening uh, on on gun laws um, is one of the first things that they sort of jump to, and it's a bit of. Um, it, I mean, it's pretty hypocritical to believe that, and also not advocate for for things like red flag laws um, because I mean it's not even just about preventing things like like what happened at our school it's about um, helping and saving the lives of people that do deal with debilitating mental illness there is a reason that men are statistically more likely to succeed um, at um, taking their own lives and that's because they're more likely to attempt with a firearm they're more likely to have a firearm um and that just shouldn't be 
if you actually cared about the mental health and mental well-being of other of other human people, um, it seems like a sort of obvious like, oh, maybe people who are mentally unwell, maybe we shouldn't give them such easy access to these things. It kind of goes to show that it's not really about um, well-being. It's just about pushing an agenda. I feel like a lot of people don't understand that this isn't a Democrat-Republican thing. This is a people-are-dying-and-this-needs-to-be-changed thing. Uh, the, the Republicans at the Capitol showed blatant disrespect by not even attempting to talk to any of us. They shied away. They, like, like hid from us. And then I think my friend mentioned how uh, they talked to one, and then it was just, like, a bunch of, well, the security guards are armed, right? Right? It was just like, wow. Like, you can sit there and let uh, see children die. You can't put your pride aside for that? Like, how low do you have to stoop? It was disrespectful. I didn't like it. It was almost cartoonish, the the level of just how far they were willing to go to have to not acknowledge our presence. Um, I remember Peter Meredith was speaking and introducing us and letting them know that we were there. and you could just see, like, on the Republican side of the floor, people were, were, like, pretending to be busy on their phones. And people were, you know, pretending to look at, like, three different pa- – like, it was it was mind-boggling. Like, it, it literally – it felt like watching, like, Looney Tunes. Like, I don't even know how to put into words how absurd they looked. And this was your first time being in Jefferson City. Yes. Yes. Not a great – first time no <laughs> no and I had yelled at like Peter Meredith and if you hear this I'm so sorry for yelling at you about that because <laughs> I was like I was upset really because I'm like you just can't sit here and stand with children dying and not tell me to my face I was not I was not there to play games with like anybody I didn't even know who was like Republican or not until like people pointed it out to me but yet they still shied away and I didn't look up their names so I can't put their names on blast but you know what if I did know y'all names like I'm saying your name y'all lucky I don't but it was just like it was like an out of world out of body experience like because why would you just sit there and like run away like you're five at the I feel like all my all my respect for you leaves when you don't care like it's not you. You could just listen to me. You don't have to believe in anything that I say. You could just listen, though. Like take the time and listen. Who has been listening? Who's doing a good job? Um, honestly, I've actually besides like the whole thing with um, with the lawmaking with Peter Meredith, he's actually also talked to about funding. He was talking to somebody else, and I had jumped in their conversation because that's what I do. And I was like, well, if you're talking about funding and our our school needs like a bunch of funding for like our music department and our arts department. So he has been like saying he'll he said he'll personally pay. And Peter, I'm going to hold you to that. You said (laughs) you will personally pay for our funding. And um, I don't know what he's doing right now, but I hope that he's continuing to fight for us. Um, many people after have that have saw me on the news, they came up they come up to me and tell me, they tell me that, hey, we're also fighting with you and here's my card if you ever need anything. 
And it's just that I got like a bunch of references and like stuff like that. But my thing is, I just don't know where to start. And it's students like Brianna and like the other seniors that are like an inspiration. Because even if I don't know where to start, I can like fall back and ask if they could like help me. And I'm, and I'm sure they will. Will you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a senior, so you'll yes. be graduating soon. Um, what is the lesson that you're leaving with? I've, from my freshman year, I, even besides the shooting, I was a very different person. I was very unsure of myself. I was very insecure, very reserved. And Central has given me a sense of self that I'm not sure I could have gotten from another school. Um, I wouldn't do half the things um, that I'm doing now, including being here just speaking to you, um, had I not come to Central, and especially with um, the shooting happening and, and having these opportunities to to speak with, with you guys and other journal, journalists and just just being being nurtured and, and pushed to my to my potential by my my teachers it's I feel like I'm leaving with not only like skills that are applicable in in the real world but just a a greater like sense of sense of character I'm just so grateful even with everything that has happened um, I'm really grateful for that, and I'm really grateful that in doing this, I am inspirational, because um, I'm only one guy. <laughs> I only know, I really only, the only perception of myself that I know is my own perception of myself, uh, and it's nowhere as big as they talked me up to be. <laughs> so <laughs> just knowing that I have that effect on people, and people see me in that light, um, it's awesome, and I know that there are other seniors uh, and upperclassmen in general that are, I'm sure, having that same experience and feeling like, oh my God, like I can help people. Um, I think that's, I mean, despite everything that happened, it's it's awesome to know that you can help people. And this isn't just me like butt kissing Brianna. Like <laughs> we did not know each other like prior mm -mm. to this, but. Um, they really like stepped up uh, after the whole incident and it was just like inspiring and I'm just so grateful to you because no matter how loud and confident I am I do still get scared when people approach me like I said because you never know who is on your team and who's not and you know we don't care about gun laws apparently so you never know how far people will take their pro-gun opinion on you. I mean, we are now several months out from October, and one of the things that I'm thinking about coming from the news side of things is that there is this expectation that now that it's over, it's over, and that could not be farther from the truth. Um, is there anything that, that you would like to say about how much time you're going to need in order to, I don't, I, I don't even know the verb, because I think there is sometimes this expectation that you move on, but it, it glosses over the fact that there was tragedy involved. 
So I guess like, when it comes to um, time for for healing, what do you think is necessary for for healing to continue? I think that nobody will ever, even even whenever people who were there say that they were fine, um, they're never going to be the same as they were prior to, to, to the event. And I can honestly try and dredge some, some positive out of it, but the fact of the matter is that I still fear for my life every time I walk out of my door now, and I'm only 17, and I never, I never experienced that before. I still um, jump whenever I hear a noise that sounds even vaguely like what I heard in the classroom that day. I can't put myself in certain situations anymore because I know it'll make me have a panic attack and fear for my ver- like my life. Um, but I don't. It's different for everyone, but. Yeah, I don't believe there will ever be a period where, you know, people who were there are not going to have to watch out for certain things. And that's just not something that should ever have to be considered, being a civilian on the street. Um, The fact that I'm speaking to you right now, um, the fact that I had to go to Jefferson City, those things should have never happened. We never should have been put in the situation where we have to go advocate for ourselves. I don't think that I personally am going to recover from this anytime soon. I didn't like loud noises before. can't stand them now. It sends me into like a mini episode. I, I have to leave class like a minute or so early because I don't like the crowded hallways because I'm scared that an incident again will happen and I'm just going to be caught in the hallways. And so now I just have to try to avoid all, like, crowded places. I I always go out with, like, friends and stuff like that so I can remain social outside of school. But if my friends aren't available, like, for, like, a week or so, I'm just going through it. It's, like, feels like isolation again. Feels like I'm held captive in my own home, and I can like easily go out with like family, but I just feel like it's too much of bother to ask. So we gonna need like forever and an eternity to heal, and that's fine. And that's okay. It's like an uncomfortable feeling, but I had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Any last words for the interview? I would like to thank everybody who is standing with us and who have like given me your support and giving me like your phone numbers and stuff, saying if I need anything for uh, the news reporter who gave me their cards and like the legislators who want me back at the um, Capitol. I do plan on going back up there and hopefully again, we can talk and some of you guys won't shy away from me, but um. My heart goes out to Alex's family and Jean's family. I wish I could do more for you guys. I think mostly, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll probably say it a million times before my life is over, um, that it it does begin with just us ordinary people, that that you do have the power to do something, because if I, if I can, I know for sure there are a million people, I mean, more, way more qualified and, and eloquent than I am, um, 
that can do everything that I've that can say the things that I've advocated for and and more um, that we absolutely do have the power to change things we just have to make a big enough stink about it April Shepard thank you for talking with me today thank you for having me and Brianna Love thank you as well thank you This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.